opening lyrics for so many years now with such prophetic impacts here so many decades decades after they were written and performed uh anyway that's the way we start it's been changing and i guess old alvin lee i don't know if he'd be amazed or not you know uh roger sales here with you on the monday edition a date stamped 3 8 21 march the 8th of course it is a Monday, whether that's good or bad, I guess remains to be seen. At this point, it hadn't been too bad. Uh, got a number of folks starting out with us here on the board and joined in and wait beforehand, and that's always a good sign for me to see all you guys anxious enough and take time out of your schedule to come be with us today. So, uh, of course, we're coming out of a weekend. Been, it was kind of a quiet weekend in some respects, but... Uh, a good weekend, Dis- discharge a little bit, unwind. Um, hope you guys had a nice one. A um, couple of things I did want to start out with, though. Uh, ama- these guys continue to amaze me, okay? And a story popped on our forum last night, and I looked at it, and I went, well, these, these, these are just the slickest SOBs, man, that have ever come down the road. And it turns out, and here's the headline. So anybody, I guess we, I've heard some feedback of people that friends or or dear friends, some a military buddy went out and succumbed and took the shot. There's a new uh, headline from some poll that said 69% of Americans plan to take the shot. Uh, amazes me, okay? I mean, first of all, and, and you haven't heard this. I, I forgot where I picked it up along with all the stuff you listen to. And I have a little familiarity with it because of the Silverline experience I had 20 years ago. And that was that the FDA did not approve this as a vaccine. Have you all heard that? I mean, I've mentioned it at a time or two. It's real important. See, the FDA has two ways that they either that they uh, give somebody the rubber seal. And it's either as a drug or as a device, for instance, whatever, if they got approval to use those, they got those little gripper things in the test swabs that can grip into your skin and release something, that's a device, okay? Not what it's releasing, because they could opt to put whatever in there they want, but the thing that does it in the application is a device. The reason I know that is because Silverlon was that's how Bart Dr. Bart Flick got the approval of FDA as a device. Okay. And so it I heard somebody say in or in one of these interviews we've all been inundated with that it was approved by the FDA as a device. So first of all, it's not even approved as a vaccine. Okay. But get this, the way these guys and I was just listening right before the show and Talked about it, heard it a couple of weeks ago, a Gravitas, which is a um, little news service out of India. I've been watching. I started seeing them about a year ago when the COVID thing first came along. And I've got a friend who's Indian, and uh, so I kind of 
look at that stuff a little closer because of Ashwin. And uh, this Gravitas report, hadn't seen one in a few months. They weren't popping up on my YouTube suggestion list, you know. And uh, so it pops up, and it's a report on Pfizer and South and South America and the countries they've got deals with nine of them, I think, but the two big exceptions are Argentina and Brazil. And this gal goes into some depth on what has been going on. And Pfizer's down there demanding both Argentina and Brazil. The two cases are a bit different. Argentina was first because they passed a law indemnifying them, but Pfizer still wasn't happy. There was a little wiggle room in there, and they made them come back and then take that out. No wiggle room in the law on any kind of liability for Pfizer. And then they came back and asked Argentina if they deed over their military bases and their foreign embassies and then they said no and then they went back to the drawing board and they said okay well you need to buy this international insurance against indemnifying us and argentina said yes and i'm not sure however it ended up but then with brazil they pulled the same kind of tactics so they're playing real big time hardball man Okay, uh, in this, and of course they got the they got the people convinced that they need to take a take a device that's experimental, and then Pfizer's wanting to indemnify themselves totally and dump all of it on the countries. But get this, get this headline here. All that to lead up to this as another layer. Don't forget. The concept of central banking and insurance came about in the same city in the same year. And they were tied at the hip then, and they're even tighter tied at the hip now. Okay. So this is the way your enemy works. If you die from coronavirus vaccine, let me turn that irritating thing down. If you die from coronavirus vaccine, your life insurance won't pay as it's a experimental medical intervention classification. Okay, I'm going to repeat that. If you die of this vaccine that's approved as a device, your life insurance company won't pay off because it's categorized as experimental medical intervention how about these guys covering their ass are, are they amazing i mean and see when you understand this and you see this and you see how they work and you see how thorough they are about setting up stuff meticulous oh and over the last year since all the lockdowns all the insurance companies haven't been paying out they may have been paying out some insurance from suicides and the repercussions of all of the disastrous family implications but they hadn't been having to pay out on any accidents because nobody's driving to work and driving so much down so it, it, it's unreal heard a little bit of a on one of the the um i wish you'd quit popping up there i thought i had you closed um one of the 
newer sites, Citizen Free Press, Populist Press, etc. There was a little excerpt from a radio interview out in uh, Tucson, I think. The guy's wife, he calls in. My wife works at the hospital there, and the COVID thing had died down. They moved those people off the wards, and now they've moved her back and a whole bunch of the other staff back up there because the the COVID floor is wall to wall, elbow to elbow, shoulder to shoulder with everybody that doesn't speak English that's up there testing positive for COVID. Now, you don't know about the validity of that story somewhat because you don't know if that's the erroneous PCR test or not. But regardless, they're getting inundated already and hammered. And now they don't check them at the border. Now, when they're letting them over, they wait till they're inside and check them inside. So they got to go in and put the burden on the medical strain that's already everywhere. Uh, hey, I see Honey Badger just joined us. I know Jeff's with us. Uh, Abbott's called up the National Guard out there. Have y'all heard that this morning? Uh, I haven't heard anything about that, Ryder, but I haven't been paying too much attention today. Well, here I got the headline. Uh, I looked at it right before he's called out the National Guard and all kinds of stuff, a full court assault on the border. Um Invasion, I guess that's the right word. Um, so just another thing that's developing. Looks like Oklahoma is about to pass the bill negating all of Biden's executive orders. Um, since the court in Maricopa County, Arizona, ruled that the election board has to give up all of the uh, the ballots and the machines and everything for a forensic edit, all of a sudden a whole bunch of mysterious shed ballots, shredded ballots showed up over the weekend. Um, so just one absolute thing after another, these guys on the full court press, I suppose in the, in, in, in at least the conceptual realm of things, there are no rules anymore. Okay. Um, now this is, uh, I guess anybody got anything you wanted to bring to the table on anything that I brought up right there? Now's your time. Guess not. Um, our good listener, Daryl, longtime listener, Daryl, and Brian here, and Jeff, and a couple of people just notably stick out uh, as if it, as a teacher, you know, of trying to get you guys schooled up on this stuff. Uh, and a couple of people just take the information with a lot of zeal, and I guess I recognize it because that's the same way I did it, you know. And uh, it's always good to see that. And many of you have made some really valuable contributions. I mean, in, in your additional research and Brian in his hospital hospital assault here a couple of years ago, getting the goods on him at the birth certificate issuance level, uh, all kinds of different things. Well, you know, Daryl also is obviously one of those people, and I remember I remember the early days back when Daryl was first calling in and, uh, you know, we didn't know each other. There was two guys there 
from Etowah County, Alabama. And the other guy's name is Russ. And he's a local musician there. And they would call in not knowing each other, just from the same area. And so I referred to them jokingly as Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And uh, we kind of, Russ has gotten remarried and whatever, and along a couple of different trails along the way. Daryl's still hanging in there strong, obviously. And, you know, one day he's brought some real gems to us, the story about uh, buying a buying a weapon at his local gun shop that he'd done business with before and going in there and changing his status. Every time he'd done it before, he was a citizen of the United States. He didn't know any better. After he got schooled up, he went in there and said, no, I'm a national, and you guys have heard the story. The guy, the clerk at the store says, they won't sell it to you. And he said, well, why don't you just humor me? Calls the FBI check, tells the guys, he says he's a a national. FBI goes, wait a minute. He goes off for a minute and comes back and says, yep, sell it to him. Uh, you know, that kind of thing, like James calling in last week, our new guy, James, not with us today. I don't see him anyway. Uh, and, uh, with his own custom car and the, uh, little factoid, is that you? Are you with us there, James? Yes, I am. Okay, good. The little factoid, yo, I see you changed your name. And so, uh, that you, you know, drive around on just the passport card. Right. So uh, all the, you know, I I just love to see that because other people are taking initiative and finding stuff that I would never be able to access that truthful information. So it's uh, uh, many hands make for light work. So one day Daryl calls in. I don't think you've heard this, James. Uh, but it's very appropriate and it's funny. It should come up. And I did a little, I was doing a little research last night on it and I was shocked quite frankly, (laughs) in a pleasant way for a change. (laughs) And so Daryl calls in one day and he says, uh, a Gordian knot has to be untied the way it was tied. Okay. Excellent. You know, and it's very, very accurate. So does anybody know what a Gordian knot is? I mean, we've all heard the phrase at one time or another. It's like kind of, you know, there's a recognition in your subconscious when, it, when the phrase pops up. But the history of it is fantastic. And I went in and started doing a little bit of research on it last night because I told uh, I was having a discourse with the web guy on the new website. And I said, I want this prominent. I also want something prominent at the top that is the um, – Oh, who was uh, the guy, the quote we uh, came on recently of Frederick Douglass, who said, you've seen a man become a slave, now see a slave become a man. God, that ought to be our mantra, shouldn't it? And he's a black guy that said that, Frederick Douglass. Okay. So, and I'd like that up at the top somehow prominently, too, along with the Harriet Tubman I've freed a thousand slaves, and I could have freed thousands more if they only knew they were slaves. How true is that? You guys that are out there talking to people about this concept and how to get out of this and separate yourself, uh, is it not just amazing how true that statement is? And they're white, and they're cognitive, and they're smart, and they still resist taking control of their own freedom it's astounding to me it's a it's a great 
insight into human nature here in the overall picture. Anyway, back to the subject at hand, the Gordian knot. I'm going to read it uh, here a little bit from Wikipedia. Of Well, I said I was going to. There you go. Thank you. Uh, and uh, not to get too much into it, but yet the story and the background is so interesting because it ties in directly to what we do, and I couldn't help but think about the trials and tribulations I've had over so many years going down so many of these paths, many of them rabbit trails and rabbit holes that ended up not being productive, and just through sheer determination and perseverance, and the fact that when this grabbed me, like it crossed many of your paths years ago. You just knew. You didn't understand all the information, and you had all the the equivocations in your mind, but you just knew there was something of great substance here. And I would dare say, like myself, it uh, motivated many of you to chase it, chase this trail, and you've we've all found great satisfaction here because this is truth. The Gordian Knot. The Gordian Knot is a legend of Pythagian, P-H-R-Y-G-I-A-N, however you pronounce that, some kind of Greek stuff. It's a legend of Par Pargian Gordonium associated with Alexander the Great. It's often used, I had no idea it went back that far, did you? Neither did I. It is often used as a metaphor, like a simile, a metaphor, similar, a metaphor for an intractable problem untying an impossibility tangled knot. Let me read because that, that's in parentheses. It's used as a metaphor for an intractable, intractable is the word. I'm looking over at another computer, so uh, pardon my eyesight. It's an intractable problem. Here's the parentheses. Untying an impossibly tangled knot, close parentheses, solved easily by finding an approach to the problem that renders the perceived constraints of the problem moot. Again, parentheses, cutting the Gordian knot, unquote. And then there's a nice little verse here from Shakespeare's Henry the Henry the Fifth. Okay? And it says Turn him to any cause of policy. The Gordian knot of it he will unloosen, familiar as his garter. So that's the, Shakespeare's even got a reference to it. Now the story is really interesting. And uh, it goes, I don't know whether to read the whole thing. It's not too awful long kind of intricate but it's interesting the legend here this uh, p-h-y-r p-h-r-y-g-i-a-n 
were they, that grouple, were without a king. But an oracle of another ancient capital decreed that the next man to enter the city driving an ox cart should become their king. How about that for a criteria? <laughs> the next guy coming into the city driving an ox cart, hell, we're going to make him king. How about that? <laughs> no primaries, no nothing. <laughs> a peasant farmer named Gordius drove into town on an ox cart and was immediately declared king. Out of gratitude, his son Midas dedicated the ox cart to the school, to that people's god, Sabosius, which the Greeks identified with Zeus, it says in parentheses. And they tied the ox cart to a post with an intricate knot of conal bark, and they give the tree's scientific name. The knot was later described by Roman historian Quintus Curtius Rufus as comprising, quote, this is quoting the Roman historian, several knots, all so tight entang tightly entangled that it was impossible to see how they were fastened, unquote. This is pretty interesting so far. It was sure interesting to me last night. The ox cart still stood in the palace of the former king of those people at Gordonium in the 4th century B.C. when Alexander arrived. Nobody had untied it. At which point, Pythagian had been reduced to a province. The area, the, the people in that area had been reduced to a province of the Persian Empire. An oracle had declared that any man who could unravel the elaborate knots was destined to become ruler of all of Asia. That's pretty pretty daunting, isn't it? That's enough. Is that enough reward for you? Alexander wanted to untie the knot, but struggled to do so. He then reasoned that it would make no difference how the knot was loosed. So he drew his sword and sliced it in half with a single stroke. Ah, but hold, hold on. In an alternative alternative version of the story, this is where we come in. In an alternative version of the story, Alexander loosed the knot by pulling the linchpin from the yoke. So he didn't attack the knot at the top where all the bundles of knots were, he went to the back end and saw where it was connected to the, uh, the linchpin of the yoke and pulled the linchpin, therefore freeing the knot from the back end. Sources from antiquity agree 
they do. Sources from antiquity agree, it says here, that Alexander was confronted with the challenge of the knot, but his solution is disputed. Both Putriarch and Anadrian relate that, according to Articubulus, Alexander pulled the knot out of the pole pin, exposed the two ends of the cord, and allowed him to untie the knot without cutting through it. Some classical scholars regard this as more plausible than the popular account. How about that? I'll stop reading that at that point. I think we got the point across. Didn't that just parallel exactly what we're doing here? If you look at, you know, the yoke and the, the, the knot and it's tied into all these people and you're enslaved in this thing and you go and fight all of these different, chase all of these shadows and joust at all these windmills trying to find the answer, it's Admiralty Law. You're a ship sailing on the land. And yet to really get it, what I ended up doing, this is the way I used to describe it. If you try and fight this thing up the traditional way that our folks do, it's designed for you to fight it that way. It's set up for you to get sucked right into that morass, okay? And consider it to be like a funnel, if you will, maybe like a beer glass, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's a cone, but it's tall and it's not a drastic cone, it's a gradual cone and that is the parameters of their authority and jurisdiction are the edges of the glass anything that's in that glass is in their deal but anything that's outside that glass isn't and so instead of going to the mouth of the glass and keeping to drink beer like our community's done for 30 years i put the damn glass down and said i'm going to go around the side and pull what in military parlance is called a flanking maneuver and I flanked the outside of the glass and went back to where the headquarters were and slit their throats, therefore disabling the entire rest of the beer field glass. Okay? And that's exactly what Alexander the Great did here with the legendary Gordian knot. Instead of all of the piles and piles and piles of knots, he went to the back end. He pulled the linchpin where the whole thing connected. Isn't that what you do when you file your affidavit? When you file your affidavit, don't you remove yourself and pull the linchpin that's connected to all the rest of the knots? Of course you do. Okay. So I was just struck when I read that last night of the parallels and, uh, not knowing this story and this legend and uh, uh, of what sounds like we got Romans historians writing about it. So I would imagine it's got some validity somewhere. Okay. And you see that all Alexander the great did. So what I kind of figured out to do is just, you know, when I went to court against the IRS and put all those hours, man, into writing a brief that was real good, Okay, and I guarantee you nobody even read it and then get up there and go through that ordeal. And when I walked out and the dust settled and I kind of got my senses back because that takes a lot out of you. Okay, I said, hell, there's got to be a better way to do this. And that's kind of I think as I look back on it where the path started. 
So anyway, I thought that was interestingly uh, 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 enough to bring in and draw the comparison to, well, Alexander the Great. <laughs> and give proper credit for Daryl for putting us down this path. The Gordian knot has to be untied the way it was tied. They didn't come in here and conquer us with armies and guns and battalions and tanks. They came in here and conquered us with their minds. And that's the way you're going to beat these guys. And you ain't going to beat them going after it the other way. Okay? And if you do so or you think that way, I think that you should go back and uh, examine your thought processes and history and mold the two together and come up with some kind of an intelligent answer because that ain't the way to do this. Hey, Daryl. I see you joined us, man. It wasn't that I, I was shocked when I read the, the story of that, and I wanted to thank you publicly for bringing that to us and make the tie-in that that's exactly what the heck we're doing here. Well, he might not have his microphone working just yet. Anyway, um, as we're, I'd like to get Daryl's read on that since he's the one that brought it to us so many years ago, but... I don't think he can get his microphone quite checked in yet early on. So um, while Daryl's trying to get his, his instrumentation going, anybody else got any observations on that? Hey, Roger. There he is. Roger. There you are. Hey, uh, I, uh, I, just, I just logged into Jitsi because for the last half hour, I've been trying to get Eurofolk to come up on two different browsers. And... Uh, Microsoft and uh, Google and and or Chrome and neither one of them will bring up uh, well, Eurofolk. They may be having a, a hiccup today. Let's make sure that we're on the air. We're tied just, into the server. So yeah, I just wanted to shout out to uh, Paul if he's listening. Oh. Is that uh, either either your website is uh, having problems or they're blocking you? Uh, shadow banning. I, I noticed a lot of really craziness over the last three days with uh, my searches and uh, research and, and web links. Uh, so I don't know if any other buddy, anybody else has been noticing problems, but I was starting to get a little persecution complex like they've actually targeted me. So, uh, And I, I don't say, I've never said that before. I'm just I'm just throwing that out. out there. <laughs> Let so, me. Uh, anybody else noticed anything? Yeah. Anybody? Why don't you, if the listeners, uh, if you could plug in eurofolkradio.com and see if uh, it's down. Is will the site not come up at all, or it just won't broadcast audio? Yeah, yeah it won't won't load. You know, it, it won't even load. Uh, it was last, last night because I listened to Eli James on a regular basis, and uh, yeah, nothing. So buckets. So it's working. So I, what? Who okay, said that? Good. Good. Jeff, it's working for me on Safari and it works for me on Firefox. It's working. Down okay. Well, I'll, I'll load, I'll, uh, I'll load one of those other browsers and see if, uh, if these other two browsers are doing an active block on, on these things. I, I think we've, I was just talking to Michael Gaddy too, and he's noticed a bunch of weird stuff too. So, um, comes up for me anyway. It comes up uh, for me in Ecuador. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Good. So then now I, 
So I am feeling I am feeling a little bit uh, uh, identified here. Good, good. Well, I'm glad. Ron, um, uh, so I, I'm Idaho, sorry, Roger. The Idaho you, you kids, mentioned something. About, the Idaho kids are listening yeah. on Eurofolk. I just got a message there, so I think it might be local Beautiful. to you there, Daryl. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you. No, I, I think it's probably subjective to me. Yes. Um, so um, anyway, you mentioned something about I had brought an article and I was just signing in, and I don't know what you're talking about. So um, I went back. I'm sorry you missed it. Uh, I went back last night. I was having a conversation with the guys doing the new website, and uh, I said I'd like this phrase, a Gordian knot has to be untied the way it was tied on somewhere prominently at the top, you know. That and a couple of other yeah. wonderful quotes. And so I got curious, and I went back and started doing some research, and I just read the story of the Gordian Knot. It's absolutely incredible. I'm sorry you missed it. I mean, you can go read it yourself. Well, I'm reading it right out of Wikipedia. Yeah. But the uh, parallels with what we do here, and uh, for some of you, that let me just go back over this, Daryl, and it was – a guy, there was this kingdom over in that part of the world, in Greece, wherever it was, I think, and they made a decree that whoever, the next person to ride into town on an ox cart is going to be named king. <laughs> and the, next, the poor peasant that runs in, rides into town, all of a sudden he's the king. Well, his son takes the cart that he rode in on and lashed it to some public deal with this knot, and it was there for quite a while. And then Alexander the Great conquered the area and came in and got perplexed by the knot. And he couldn't untie it. There's two versions. One, he slashed it open which is what our patriot community constantly tries to do. And the other version is that he, he went, he couldn't untie the knot and he went to the back and pulled the linchpin where it's connecting the yoke to the wagon and bared the back end of the knot and untied it that way. And I thought, how appropriate. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, well, that's what the whole thing was. I read a little <laughs> bit of the Wikipedia entry, but I just thought yeah. it was so classic. I'm sitting there reading it last night and go, holy smokes, because that's exactly what we do. We run around a flanking movement. We reach back. We slit their throat on the first thing that's important jurisdiction, and bam, they're done. We pull the linchpin from the yoke. Yeah. Well, um, there's there's always if what you're doing isn't working, it means you should stop doing what you're doing and find a different way to do it. And this is called problem solving. And uh, this is <laughs> I heard it. I always uh, heard it when you find yeah. yourself in a hole. Stop digging. Right. Well, uh, we. Uh, well, I say that. I say that sort of euphemistically. Uh, in general, the population, general population, has been facilitating funding and digging their own grave uh, for a long time. Long time. And long time. And uh, I sent out a, I sent out a link to some uh, compadres here over the weekend. Um, uh, it's a very long video. It's about three hours long. It's a, it's actually a live stream. And uh, it goes into the the 40s, 50s, 60s, 
and a lot of black and white uh, uh, government propaganda uh, from it's government propaganda, but it's you can see now how the government was cooperating intimately, hand in glove, dovetailed with uh, Frankfurt and Tavistock. Uh, I I can't emphasize enough to people how important it is for them to come to the final conclusion and awareness that the government itself is the deep state. Yeah. What you got some examples uh, and, that that you're thinking of as you say that specifics because I got one. I've been wanting to talk about it for a long time and I've always forget to talk about it and you just motivated and spurned it. So I'm interested to hear yours first. Well, primarily, I mean, one of the most uh, recognizable ones is the uh, uh, how you, your generation of mine, and a lot of the guys that are listening here were conditioned as, as elementary school children into the duck and cover uh, scenario. That's that's one example of how how ridiculous this is. We all aware of this now, but. Even our parents and particularly the children were inculcated into this duck and cover mentality, which we, I, I mean, I can understand completely why they were doing that now. It had nothing to do with protecting you. This was a primacy conditioning you into fear and fear and the government to protect you. Okay. Now that's just, that is the most elementary example. Uh, the videos, um, he must've had a, a dozen or more of them in there. And some that I'd never seen before. He had a particularly interesting, uh, uh, video. It was a very long video clip, um, of, uh, a woman from a young woman from South Africa. um, sitting beside a young man from Uganda. He, he was very, you could tell he was educated and articulate. And another man from Greece, and this is in 1960, and they're having a roundtable conversation about uh, uh, race relations. It's profound, profoundly important to view it. You can view, you can view this on BitChute and... Uh, Bitshoot, yeah, it's on Bitshoot, and it's the uh, black pill, black pilled. Uh, Devin Devin Stack does these things. Um, he's an amazing researcher and digs up all kinds of information. You might also be able to actually find it on YouTube. Uh, uh, just in your title search, do black pill. So, uh, Devin, I sent it to Harvey. And there's a lot of there's a lot of painful information in it that, but don't take it personal. Okay, <laughs> he has he has some very powerful comments uh, at the one hour mark. Uh, well, this young woman from South Africa, 1960, is making profoundly important comments about uh, American Civil War. Okay, it's just, uh, and, and about history. <laughs> I she 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 looks like she's about twenty three years old, twenty four, 
And um, so uh, I don't know how we got off on this, but that's an, yeah, that's an example, Roger, um, of the programming that was done to us as children and, uh, and then through our teenagers. So I had one that popped up as you start putting the important pieces of this together. And one of the real seminal moments for them in the entire timeline of this whole plan has been 1954 and Brown versus Board of Education, which was based on busing. Where where did the idea originate that we need to take a bunch of black folks on the poor side of town and run them over into the affluent high school and vice versa, take the high school affluent kids and run them over into the other side of town. That that right there is what was the precipitator to the Brown v. Board decision, which on itself, it, on its face, and not knowing what it really did behind the scenes of overturning Plessy and giving us all a dual status, which had before been hidden. So that's a real, real seminal thing when the busing crap started and i haven't done any research into it i remember one of the big outbreaks was little rock i believe brown versus board came out of the little rock incident but it was prevalent all over the country in these certain liberal control cities they just put in this policy and they said let's start stirring them up so we can go over here and get this thing nailed down and don't forget don't forget the important part this just came to me as an afterthought when i got into exploring this topic here a number of years ago and i i look at brown and i see and i'm figuring out about american samoa and i'm kind of getting the connection of what they've done and i said 54 54 and my subconscious kept telling me 54 54 what else happened in 54 and then i remembered researching all those regulations when i was fighting the irs and learning all those intricacies about the regulatory state and regulations and how they're promulgated and what they are and what their limitations are, et cetera, et cetera. And I can remember going down to Georgia State University, which is in downtown Atlanta, that I was doing some. We had two federal book depositories in Atlanta. One was Georgia State, and the other was Emory over on the other side of town. And oftentimes I'd just drive down to downtown Atlanta because it's easier. And so their limitations were being in downtown Atlanta is they've got space limitations, so all the students and all the rooms. And so they don't have a big library. They've got it all on microfiche. So you'd have to go into the microfish room and go in and research those if you're back researching the regulations. And you can't research regulations further back than 1954. They don't have regulations that are pertinent in the Internal Revenue Code that predate 1954. Every time you trace because at the bottom of a regulation, let's go over this technicality for you so you'll know what Ralph Winterroot does all the time. <laughs> at the end of a regulation, if it's from a previous regulation, there's a bracket at the bottom which tells you where it was, it was uh, improved on or whatever they did. And so you can take that bracket and backtrace all the regulations, and you can never go past 54. 
So right after Brown versus Board of Education, my subconscious was telling me that, and I went and looked at the Internal Revenue Code of 1954, and the bastards couldn't even wait more than 60 days after Brown. They put the 1954 Internal Revenue Code in place 60 days to the day after Brown. So all that yeah. came all about yeah. because they started bussing black kids to the white side of town and vice versa. Um, this is, I mean, that's, uh, that requires to, to understand that requires some, some fundamental baseline, uh, foundational information for, for people to realize that, um, uh, I think uh, I, let, let's use the uh, let's use the COVID and vaccine thing to illustrate exactly how um, you uh, create a dialectic of opposites to manufacture this false logic. That's this is what a dialectic does when it's weaponized. Okay, I'm going to repeat that: the dialectic of opposites to manufacture a false logic. This is the purpose. This is the the engineering construct, the equation. You're looking at an equation. They see it as an equation. Have scientific. You they do not. Totally they, scientific. They, they use. They, they state it. Scientific yeah. these are, slavery. These are. Yeah, you you think of an algorithm as a group of signs, symbols, and numbers, and I propose to you that you uh, are missing missing the real. Uh, algorithm. The algorithm is in the construct of the words and and the premises. So they, you can use words just like you would use it in in solving story problems when you were children, when you were in junior high, or um, uh, you know grade level five or six. They would introduce story problems to you to solve, and so you can construct a mathematical relationship just using words. You don't have to use symbols and signs, and this. This is how they've done it. Let me give you an example of this. Uh, and I'll just cut to the chase with it. Uh, the vaccine was not created for COVID. No. COVID was created for the vaccine. True. See. Now, this is the dialectic. All right. Now, once you, once you, uh, once you know this, uh, it's literally a matter of life and death for you going forward. How about uh, this, Daryl? Since you were a little two, late, years. since you were a little late this morning, you probably missed this headline. If you die from coronavirus vaccine, your life insurance won't pay for it because it's quote an experimental medical intervention. When I use the yeah, word, exactly. Humpty Dumpty said yeah. in a rather scornful tone. It means exactly what I say it means, no more, no less. The, uh, uh, the vaccine, I, I, uh, I don't use that in a medical term. It's, a, it's an inoculation. When inoculation means to cause – the definition of inoculation historically through – all the way back through a Cepheus – uh, was known as to cause injury. To inoculate is to cause injury. But anyway, the, this thing they are identifying with the word term vaccine 
is actually just information therapy. It is information therapy. It's programmable information therapy. All right. Uh, and it, it, listen, I'm just, I'm sorry for you all. If you don't understand, if you don't, can't comprehend and internalize this, you're going to die and soon. And your life insurance uh, isn't going to pay off. <laughs> well, uh, what, what's it going to pay you off in uh, debt notes? So yeah, that are hyperinflated. I, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's it, it's really literally going to come down to this, uh, and <clears throat> so we're we're seeing the we're seeing the fringe indicators right now in the in the patterns of death and disease and and uh, adverse effects. So I don't know. I I can't overstate it enough. Um, uh, you you actually have to be able to articulate this to the people around you that you know and love that the vaccine was not created for COVID. COVID was created for the vaccine. This is this is setting the stage for the false logic. You have to have a, a false logic, and you have to control the narrative of the false logic. So, uh, <clears throat> listen if 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 you are uh, the people around you can't internalize this and unwind that little knot there, uh, you're going to die. And uh, there's, there's no way to remove this experimental injection from you once you, once you take it. It's an executive decision. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the whole program here is a depopulation program. Uh, quite simply, it's a vaccinate, sterilize, and euthanize. And the old people are going to, are being euthanized, and the young people are being sterilized. Uh, if you want to, if you want to watch a video, and uh, it's actually an interesting movie uh, that uh, neurolinguistically and pre-programs you for this information. It's called The Children of Men, and uh, it's about uh, it's about 15 years old now. The movie is Children of Men. Uh, watch it, and you'll think you're, and you'll have a view of what happens uh, going forward from here. So, um, you know, party's over, playtime's over. Uh, either either get it now, or you're gonna go away. Um, Cliff, and, I had a had a short. Woo one in his Woo series. I'm trying to find Woo Rules. It was just released last night. Woo W O O rules. And he was talking about the the new Woo rules are there are no rules. And the first thing you have to do that for rule number two is realize it as you go forward. Yeah. So uh, this goes. This feeds back into what we were talking about earlier. Uh, so now, fear is a virtue. If you're afraid, this is a virtue. If you're a, a homo and a sodomite, this is a virtuous thing. Um, well, quite simply, uh, what this is going to do to compromise almost every, absolutely everybody that takes it, uh, takes this this mark is uh, it's going to compromise. It's going to turn your own immune system will attack and destroy your own cells, or it can be programmed to do that. So you, you have to think like they do. Now, what did Prince Philip say? Um, 
what did Prince Philip say? If he could come back, come uh, back be and, reincarnated, yep. he'd like to come back as a virus. Yep. What did the um, what did the Olympics presentation here about uh, five six years ago mm. uh, illustrate? Ten uh, was the uh, was it ten? Oh, thank you, Roger. So they they have they have actually neural predictive programmed you. Uh, they completely understand this. This is a long term, decades long plan to uh, sterilize the land and of of the virus and and who is. Who has become the virus now? Well, you are the virus. The vaccine, uh, when you take this, will alter your immune system so that it re- it doesn't recognize you anymore. It will you will ha- everybody will be afflicted with autoimmune diseases like arthritis is an autoimmune disease, lupus, uh, fibromyalgia, uh, all these things are autoimmune diseases where the body attacks itself. And uh, everybody who takes this injection uh, will be susceptible to having autoimmune diseases. Uh, allergies are another part of an autoimmune uh, problem. And um, uh, so, in fact, what happens is you become the virus that the, the uh, vaccine is attacking. And... Uh, that actually makes not only philosophical but uh, sense. But uh, um, let me ask you a question: the, the the people that are perpetrating this identify you as a something that needs to be eliminated or treated, and ask- and this fits in. Yeah, this fits in with their their overview. So um, I know Go you're ahead. a subscriber to Solari and a big. Catherine Austin Fitz fan. She had a video out here recently that got a lot of legs. Somebody interviewed her, and she was talking about the, uh, and I mentioned it the other day because it was a new wrinkle for me in what she said in my understanding. When the the black slaves were brought over, they were very expensive. $2,000 in the 1850s was a lot of money, okay? And farmers didn't just plop down two grand in gold and silver to pick up their slave at the market. How did they get them? Well, they were financed through Jewish bankers. Okay. So they're bringing in the slaves and making the absorbent markup like the, the, the uh, Southern bell cell of uh, the internet backbone to uh, Argentina that I know about because I met the lawyer had 12 million in it, sold it for a thousand million. Is that kind of parallel? Got $20 yeah. approximately yeah. in a black slave and sell him for 2000. I mean, the markup's greater yeah. now. Okay. But the, the certainly the yeah. principles the same, right? Okay. So then they well, go let me, over. Let me, no, let me finish for a second. Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll turn it yeah, back I'm over sorry. to you. Yeah. So yeah. now the banker comes in and he finances the whole thing. And the big problem, according to Catherine Austin Fitz was the slaves were mobile and all they had as the country grew westerly. They just take off to the West. Nobody had their mug shot and their fingerprints and they're essentially free. And I guess there's quite a few of them that did that. Okay. And so they could not perfect the collateral. The slave was the collateral on that loan. Okay? Well, what they're doing here, you're in slavery, 
but you're not perfected. You can still file an affidavit and walk away. But once you got that jab, you're theirs because it changes your metabolism. And under the patent laws, it t totally makes you their property. Now the collateral's perfected. Right, exactly. Uh, you're spot on. You're all over the top of it here. So after, after the Civil War and the legislation that goes forward uh, working with uh, the money masters is they, they establish the basis for perfecting collateral, but only to the degree that they can in an analog form, in an analog form. Now, they, they, this has to be administrated and managed by uh, uh, peoples. Uh, these are your courts and enforcers and so on and so forth. And it's done through equity and contract. And this is an analog form. It, it's actually labor intensive to some degree to administrate and manage it and regulate it. Uh, this is what's been done. Uh, the next level of perfection of collateral is to digitize it. So, in the 1800s and the, through the 1900s, your birth certificates and all these all these mechanisms uh, were in the analog form, and then they start to transition it, everything into the digital and get uh, uh, all records and everything were then moved into digital, which digitizes it, and uh, the ultimate form of collateralization then would be to just have outright ownership as a GMO, uh, like Monsanto and uh, these hybrid these hybrid uh, crops and and animals. They have the patent on it. Once you're injected, you'll you'll be a part of. They'll own the patent on you. And this is a profession. Um, uh, so this is really important. Because at every step of the way, and what Roger has shown historically, along with other people, and we fill in the blanks here and there, uh, these court cases, uh, these dialectics, these premises that are established, um, move this, this dialectical process forward, this uh, false logic. So at, at some point, everybody has to get this through their noggins uh, if they're going to survive. Uh, you've been suckered by the Fed, you've been punked by war, and you've been now you're being hacked by big tech, New World Order death cult. Okay, uh, that's the that those are the crib notes that you put in your hand. You've been suckered by the Fed, punked by war, and now you're being hacked by big tech. And uh, uh, but so, the good news is you don't have yeah. to be. It's your choice. See. If you don't want well, to be in, in, involved yeah. in that, you can, can remove yourself from it. And at some point I, here I, soon, uh, between yeah. the vaccination yeah. push and yeah. the uh, push for guns and what's going to come up in the coming months and years in the taxation arena, a lot of people are going to be looking for answers. Just think, if you could get this magical pixie dust and sprinkle it over all of these gun organizations, all of a sudden all those people file affidavits, what kind of a in-your-face move would that be? Okay, we know your game now. You got no power. 
what the hell would they do and how would they handle that? Well, I, I think I think there's merit. I think there's merit in this. Uh, the the sad part about the motivator for what you're talking about, Roger, is that a lot of people are going to have to die before uh, Ooh, those people. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, a lot of people are going to have to see the the general population views the abilities and capabilities and capacities of whistleblowers and watchmen like I would prescribe we are. Um. Uh. They, they view uh, their normalcy bias lens. They, they view all of us, and this information uh, is viewed through a, a normalcy bias lens uh, that, that the general population, they, they're calibrated to an awareness level based upon their own subjective thinking and reasoning, okay, their skills. That's, that's how they view us is through their own normalcy bias of their own capacities and abilities. Uh, you know, actually, this is sort of like a lazy man's narcissism, and uh, this results in giving no credence to an awareness or consciousness outside of their own personalized, stereotypical worldview, their own belief system, and and this will kill them. They will die from this. Okay, this is, and and those people have to die. So the mask wearers and the the injectors, uh, the inject the injectable have. And the other ones are going to have to observe this and uh, change uh, what they're doing. Okay. So uh, the, the the people that are lining up for the injection and, and, uh, and the mask wearers have identified themselves as the collateral damage. They sure have. And this should, this should, this should stimulate an immune response system in the ones that uh, didn't. And and will uh, maybe uh, uh, motivate them to look for different solutions. Uh, so, yeah, um, I, I I heard some new stuff uh, that I have never heard before from a good source, um, Doctor Sherry Rogers. I don't know if you guys are familiar with her, but uh, oh yeah, she's an excellent researcher, and she's saying she. She was on, uh, anybody wants to go back to the podcast, it's uh, Daniel Brigman on the Power Hour interviewed her. She's a pretty regular guest there last week. And she gets into this thing where this thing was designed, it, uh, it probably got out of the lab early by accident, but it was designed and wasn't finished. But it's, it, she says it, it's very diabolical because it lay. it is designed to lay dormant in the gut and to be transmitted um, to everybody who gets this vaccine because it's highly contagious. She says probably everybody has it by now. And, I mean, she really gets into the details so much so that I would have to listen to it again just to probably get, you know, 20% of what she really got into here. Um but she laid out a pretty scary scenario. But if you are on these ACE inhibitors, these blood pressure and medicines and stuff that the doctors give you, that is a source for this thing to really get into the cell. 
but uh, I guess the good news is you stay really, really healthy and have a good immune system. You still are got a chance of uh, putting up a real good fight. I mean, it's got it's like like a ninety-seven and a half or ninety-eight percent non-mortality rate. Well, I, you know, if you go back to that, what's all the furor about? Hell, it's it's half the flu uh, up to this point. It's half of the Roger, flu normally. Yes, Roger, we're talking about Roger. the vaccine now. The vaccine. Yeah, I'm well. I'm talking well, about the cause that would make people want to go take it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I Roger, know. Roger, uh, this is a binary. At the very least, is a binary concoction. All right. Up to this point. Up to this point. Okay. The the mortality or injury casualty rate is at that uh, very low level. But as a, as a binary weapon, um, you, uh, you, you don't want to take everybody out all at once. You, you want to bring, you have to, they want to close the gate, okay, on, on that, uh, that triangle, okay? They want to square it, but they got to get everybody, as many as they can, into that before they bring the other binary factor in. The activator, which will be the the misnamed vaccine, the euthanasia or sterilization injection. Um, so, uh, I just want to bring out something I've been saying for years, on and on and over and over again. I repeat myself all the time: do not make long-term decisions off short-term indications. And and this is this is a trick that they always do. They always use. They they give you some short term indications that are very benign, and uh, uh, they then compound them and take advantage of them at a later state. This is exactly what you've been describing for years, Roger, with your law, law cases and Brown versus the Board of Education uh, is an is a perfect example of of that. Uh, not being able to foresee the long-term consequences of the short-term actions or indications. So, and somewhere in the formula, Brown, Brown V board was a square. Yeah. And, and so, and so will COVID the COVID uh, 1984 protocols be found to be, but you won't see it all right now. There's another layer here and it's coming. Oh, it's, and, 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 you know, a year or two years from now, we'll go, aha, that's what that was. See, you understand that in war, see, we're at war. And in warfare, it never works the way you think it will. I may repeat that. In a fight, in a fist fight or a gunfight or a anthropological social reordering uh, attack, a war, never works the way you think it will be. You have something in your mind's eye that you think you know how it works, but then when it really comes down, it never works out that way. No. So you have to, you have to stay kind of loose, you know, and, and be able to move. Uh, it, you know, if you're not moving in a fist fight or a gunfight, you're dead or you're hurt. And this is the same way. Okay. The same thing's going on here. You have to stay loose. you, you you have to have options. You got to be able to move, and that you you have to be limber. That means you have to keep your mind limber. Okay, don't overfocus. If you overfocus, you'll miss you'll you won't recognize in your peripheral view 
the, the rest of what's going on around you. So you, you, you have to, you're going to be, t- you're being flooded. So what did they say in event 201? Well, we're going to flood the zone. Okay. And we're going to be, put everybody in lockstep. Well, the lockstep was lockdown and flooding the zone was the uh, information campaign. All right. So you have to open up your peripheral view to take in other information uh, outside of their lockstep and their flooding the zone. Uh, so that's that's part of their come out their of information her. warfare. Yeah. Come out of her. Yeah, Come the, the information s- warfare. Yeah. Daryl, what you're describing right there is what I conceptually perceive as spinning in the rabbit hole. You're in the rabbit hole. You can go forward or backwards, but most people sit right there and just spin with all of these extra conditions that are piled on them, and they don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, a really good example of what you've talked about. Uh, a number of times, uh, which is very appropriate, which is uh, we're observing people around us, uh, around the planet, uh, but even in our own uh, families and communities who are now in a catatonic state. They are in the catatonic state. That's exactly right. And they're overwhelmed, they're confounded, and uh, they can't move. Okay. Well, um, that, like I said, if you're in a catatonic state and you're in a fist fight or a gunfight, you're going to lose. And, and, um, that's fear and fear isn't real. Fear is not real. Now you can be concerned. You can be alarmed. You can even be scared, but fear, fear is not real. Remember what uh, it stands for. Fantasized experiences appearing real and those are the things that you conjure up in your mind and i'm telling you because i'm a personal uh, victim of this a fear stops you in your tracks okay well as a as an airline instructor and uh and a pilot and a simulator instructor and if lou was here he would he would back me up on this um or amanda's amanda's husband who was uh retired retired airline pilot. So in the training processes, uh, we go through and we identify who can function. We actually, we actually simulate, uh, overwhelming situations at some point. Okay. To load them up and who responds in fear or becomes catatonic and it happens. And these people are eliminated because they can't function in in high pressure situations they can't take they can't process they can't take in information and they can't uh they can't use a methodical approach to reason it out and find find a solution in a timely manner these people can't be allowed to sit in the front of a jet and command uh command these aircraft okay they have to be gone you have to pick them out you have to sort them out well all right and and what's what people are experiencing now in the general population, the they're exper- you're you're not in a simulation, kids. This is real, and you're being sorted out. Yeah, much. This yeah, is very sorting. Accurate. Very accurate. So, um, all I'm doing here is, is applying my my decades long experience in training and training of others ah. into. Uh, uh, 
uh, how it has to, what you need to do. <laughs> Consider if, it anyway. If, if somebody you know. can't take the personal initiative with all of this confusion and contradictory information in front of them, I don't care how Google's got the friggin' algorithm rigged. If they can't go out somewhere on the internet and find truth and find some of the people on the opposite side of this and the myriad of uprisings all over the world, okay, headline about France. Uh, and the people that are starting to stand up and the exposure that this scam's starting to get. Um, if they can't do that and they insist on going and getting jabbed with this stuff, I mean, honestly, take them out of the gene pool. Well, the, they, they will take themselves out. This is the, this is the uh, sort of the uh, sad irony of it all. They will... They will take themselves out, and actually, in a in a combat situation in warfare, uh, we don't have enough resources or time to triage uh, effectively save everybody or triage. You know, you have to you have to keep your objectives in mind, and, and mine are uh, most summed up, best summed up by uh, a quote. I wish I had had come up with it, uh, but uh, I'm going to pass it along. Authors unknown. It says, uh, it's not your job to wake up all the sheep. It's your job to wake up all the lions. Yep. Okay. And um, uh, so, <laughs> uh, you know. Wow. I wish I had the opening. Uh, you of better. The, I wish I had the opening of an MGM movie for that. Yeah. Line. Yeah. Um, if you, there's no, there's, there's actually, uh, there's, there's nobody coming to save you. You can't wait for, uh, uh, Trump in 2024. Uh, 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 there'll, there'll be a lot of people that won't be here by then. They, they want to, they want to lay this off. They want to keep you catatonically frozen or waiting for somebody and nobody is coming. Nobody is coming for you. To help you okay you're going to have to do, do it yourself so the clock is uh, ticking as i've said all along this is an individual battle you know yeah we can fight it collectively maybe but the first battle we've got to face is individuals if we don't have a group of strong individuals well you don't have too much yeah you you, you have to be an individual cell uh Individual resistance. Uh, well, your through, relationship with uh, non-cooperation and non-compliance. This yeah. uh, this uh, liege man to a liege lord relationship is an individual relationship, and it's got to be voluntary. All right, and this is the same. This is the same relationship. I've been trying to drive this point home for I don't know too. Seems like too long. That relationship is the same one that you have with your your God and your Lord and Savior. It's an individual relationship. And it, it doesn't rub off on you by osmosis by attending 501c3 churches on Sunday, okay? And 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 uh, being a whitewashed sepulcher and convincing yourself you're a good person that it doesn't happen that way. So this is there's a direct parallel uh, uh, between your relationship with God, God the Father, and uh, Jesus Christ. And that relationship and who you are internally and this parallel is exactly the same way with your relationship to government and a lord and a liege lord and the feudal system. 
And if you can't see that, I, I, I guess I could try to find different ways to say it, but I don't think I have time. <laughs> I'm the, if you're not picking that up, if you're not getting that by now, uh, I don't have time to keep going over it. And, um, Oh, you know, that's the amazing thing to me. There's no time left. The the deeper we get into this, the more that I personally understand it. You you don't have to use any of that stuff. All you have to do is go back to Vitell and try and show people this. If they tell you what you are, that's tyranny. They can't stand being identified as open tyrants. That's why they've gone to all this trouble to turn it around where they ask you and you agree with the fraud that you are. I mean, no court well, this cases, is, this no is nothing, why, okay? Yeah. This is just common sense and, and standing a global law for hundreds of years. This is why, this is what, this is the reason why you have Republicans <clears throat> is to keep you, keep you involved in thinking that there's this, this process. <laughs> uh, you have to have, you have to have a bicameral, you have to have, you have to have the duality so you can walk it back and forth and keep people suspended. Uh, you see this with people, you know, uh, you know, on their knees praying that this is so great that, uh, all we have to do is wait for Donald Trump to come back in 2024. Well, you, you don't, that's, that's you're, you're still caught up in it. Did you see what okay. Trump had his lawyers? Uh, they, they, did you see what Trump had his lawyers do yesterday? No, no, I didn't. He had his lawyers put the National Republican Committee and two other, the Republican Congressional Committee and others on notice that they were not to use his name or his likeness in any of their fundraising efforts because they're already sending out fundraising things with no return email address that you can uh, reply to and begging for money and using Trump to do it. Uh, there was a bill still had a report on that last night. So, uh, there you go. That's how the way these guys operate. It's just like the, the, uh, insurance companies. Oh, we can't pay your life insurance come, uh, if you die, because that's an experimental procedure. Oh, well, why didn't you tell well, me it was an experimental procedure when the hell you jabbed me? Instead of forcing me in through like like funneling cattle down through corrals into the slaughtering gate, why didn't you tell me back then it was an experimental deal? Yeah, Roger. Well, yeah. here's here's an here's an example. Was that Harvey? It was Samuel, actually, our friend Samuel, Samuel. I believe. Wasn't that you, Samuel? It was Harvey. Oh, it was Harv. Sorry, bud. You two sound yeah. kind of similar. Hey, Harv. Hey, Bienvenidos. Uh, I just want to say thanks for mentioning that about uh, Trump uh, refusing permission or, yeah, refusing permission for the NRSC and the NRCC and any of that other National Republican deep swamp crowd to use his name or image in fundraising. I've been getting that stuff uh, by email for weeks. And I always go to the bottom of fundraising letter and look to see who sent it. And if it says anything about Republican Party or National Republican this, that, or the other, you know, of course, I'm, I'm not making any donations these days anyhow, but, uh, but I immediately toss them in the, in, in the uh, circular file. But 
I thought it was just the most outrageous thing I'd ever seen that the people who stabbed him in the back are using him uh, well, this is to your rape enemy. themselves. This is your enemy. That's exactly right. So glad you mentioned that. Uh, and also this, uh, this information about the uh, insurance company, life insurance companies denying payment because of the experimental nature of the vaccine. Boy, that's a bombshell. Here it is. I got, let me see if I can see what site it's from. Some news service. I'll put it at the end of today's show description. Let me read the headline again for those of you that may have come in late here. If you die from coronavirus vaccine, your life insurance won't pay as it's categorized as an experimental medical intervention. Now, Harvey, and I don't know if you missed this at the first, I picked up somewhere along the line in all the dialogue, it was not approved by the FDA as a vaccine. It was approved as a device. Remember, that's how SMART got Silverline approved, as a device. Yeah, well, ask me why I'm not surprised. <laughs> no, I'm not going to belittle our time here. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's software. <laughs> It's literally software, yeah, and it's right. it's uh, it, it's it's software, software gene therapy, and they're using RNA to rewrite your DNA. What part of the days of Noah don't you get? Yeah. If you don't, if for those that are listening to this and you don't get that, I, I I'm sorry for you, uh, because your your DNA is literally going to be rewritten. Period. Hey, End of story. I'm glad you brought up. Can we? I'm going to shift gears for a second because it's something that caught my eye yesterday that I find very interesting, and that is, you know, the fight we've been having. I've been having for a long time. It seems with Microsoft and their intrusive nature into your life and your computer. Okay, and I know that not many, but certainly there is a, a group of folks that have used Linux for a long time. And yesterday on our forum, this uh, message came across, and it's on a new operating system that mimics Windows, okay? And what they've done, the open source um, community of Linux, somebody has gone in and basically did what Bill Gates did with DOS. You know, Bill Gates' father bought DOS, the guy that wrote the disk operating system, the original commands, copy, delete, move, whatever, and the old commands where you had to type them in. And Bill Gates' father bought DOS for $50,000. And what Gates did with it was copy Apple on what they call a graphical user interface, a GUI. They refer to it as a GUI, G-U-I, where you've got the icons up there and you press the icon and it executes the underlying command. Okay. And that's what Gates did with windows. Now somebody's done that with Linux and it's into a windows type program that emulates windows XP and windows seven. And 
I've got a, a video and a website, and I watched the video last night, and it's pretty darn cool, okay? And they've got a free version you can use, and then they've got, if you want to contribute to the cause, I think it's, he said, 45 euros or something, you can pay for an enhanced version with extras on it. But the name of it is Zorin, Z-O-R-I-N, Zorin. And the website is Zorin, Z-O-R-I-N-O-S, for operatingsystem.com. Let me give it again, complete. Z-O-R-I-N-O-S dot com. Now, you can go over to YouTube and put Zorin in, and some guys, some computer guys, load it, show you how it works, show you the difference in the basic system and the one you can pay for and stuff. But this is a, a guy that has been putting it together, has been using it for a year now with no problems, and it's pretty darn cool because it seems to me to fill a real void of people that want to escape Microsoft but don't want to go to a pure Linux format. Okay, so this is a, a pretty interesting little program. Those of you, if any of you uh, that perked anything in you, Zorin, Z-O-R-I-N-O-S dot com. Pretty cool little system. I wanted to mention it today. Thanks. Yep. I might need that. It's cool. I mean, I, I would really uh, uh, almost... Uh, not insist, but I'd really uh, urge you to all go look at it because it's a really cool thing that they've put together here, especially for it being in the early stages. I mentioned again, there's another wonderful communication program. Telegram is working out real well. Telegram's a great little comm program, but this other one, Elements, that a couple of us are on and using, is another one of these open source, totally encrypted uh type of uh, platforms and i think we're going to be seeing more and more of these develop as their intrusive nature becomes more commonplace and people recognize it everyday people are recognizing it and looking for alternatives like this now i gotta believe roger yeah, yeah samuel well, there you are there's samuel hi um i need some help from you guys out there um this guy told his story about a woman I'm looking for her to, to make sure this story is true and just try to get an idea of this guy is incredible. But he said a woman by the name of Jane Spaulding in the early 50s, say 51 through 53, she was the uh, typical perfect uh, little old woman teacher, uh, and they paraded her all around the country to try to get this consensus that they would uh, take all the states and make everything regimented in the same and they were trying to sell that through her well according to this after two years of her going around the country they just they started the department of education and it, it, even finding that terminology is hard department of education at that time and place early 50s well there wasn't then, one samuel it was there wasn't a department of education in the early 50s it was started by jimmy carter that's what makes all this interesting, and that's what I'm trying to, to see. Okay, now, according to the story that this guy is telling, Spalding, after they started the Department of Education, okay, she was fired, and 
all um, Rockefeller was put in. Now, I'm trying to find out if that's true or not. I would say if you want to go back on anything in the education field, to go back and check on some of Charlotte Isserby's writings. Her and the guy that she used as a mentor, I think his name started with a G. He was an older guy. I would John have to say Taylor. probably, pardon me? John Taylor Gatto. John Taylor Gatto. Uh, are probably the authorities on that, Samuel. I can't find anything. I was just thinking this is going to be stuck in a book somewhere. It's either a, a false story or it's been covered up to the point where you can't touch it. Because Aldrich made the statement supposedly in a, in a news thing that uh, why he took such a lowly position for the man that he was, he said it's more important than the position of the president in the United States according to this guy's story. Because he could change the minds of all the, all the all the people in the United States. Well, you know where all that, the roots of that are a guy named Horace Greeley. The guy that said, go west, young man, go west. That's where a lot of the roots of all of this are. On this education fiasco. When they brought in the German way of educating kids, kindergarten, etc., and uh, uh, Greeley was a big proponent of all that, if my memory serves me correct. Hey, Roger, John here. Hey, John. Hey, welcome aboard, John. Just uh, another flyby comment because I'm getting prepared for what I'm doing here. Um, I I researched uh, the Board of Education and stuff. I'm a, from a family of teachers and everything. And I'll tell you what, Charlotte Isserby really has got it. If you go to her Intentional Dummy Down of America and get her book, it gives you a lot of detail. Hey, that's good. Could you hit? Hold the pickles, hold the lettuce. Special orders don't upset us. Could you stick your mute on there? <laughs> Anyway, uh, you know, she did that. She also uh, has got an awful lot of information that she gathered in association with Phyllis Schlafly. And right. uh, all of that stuff is pretty much on there. You know, she was a pro-Reagan person, and he promised her to get rid of the Department of Education. And so she believed all the stuff because she was a blue blood. She, her, her father and her grandfather were both skull and bones. And she was tasked with handling her uh, father's papers and she began opening all of the uh, e uh, mail and stuff and respondents, and that's when she found out what was going on. And she's the one that gave the list of the Skull and Bones members to Anthony Sutton. So, oh, um, that's where that came from. Right. And um, if you also go to AmericanDeception.com, that is Charlotte's son. And you're going to find a lot of books and publications over there that aren't available elsewhere. Uh, one I like particularly is a book written about Reagan called Here's the Rest of Him. Uh, that's the only place I could find that book. And you can download a copy of it. American, like. AmericanDeception.com, was that it, right. John? Yeah, yeah, that's her site. Usually you can get it from, uh, or a link to it from uh, Charlotte's site, uh, The Intentional Dummy Down of America. That book mostly is all of the government documentation that proved that the Department of Education had nothing to do with education. That's why she did that. She wrote Reagan thinking that he would respond and fix it. Somebody is really what, cranking up something. Anyway, um, 
John, so you you off off the cuff there. You don't recognize that name, Jane Spaulding, in the early fifties. I don't know. Well, let me ask you a question, Samuel. Do you recognize the name Dorothy Thompson? About the same time frame. No. You know that she was voted as one of the most influential women of the last century. No. She was a heralded female uh, journalist, all kinds of accolades, and she was very much in favor of the Jews, and she went over there to Palestine and discovered what was really going on and started writing articles about it, and you've never heard of her. <laughs> Listen, two more short comments, and I'll get out of here because i got to get ready for the next show. Uh, I've been involved in the insurance business for 50 years. And that comment about not paying because a death benefit because they died from some experimental thing, that's bullshit. Well, that's on this headline, John. I'm going to send I don't you care. I, I'm going to tell you right now that there is nothing in a life insurance contract that says anything about experimental vaccines or anything else. Now, it might be in a health insurance plan, but it's not in a life insurance contract. You're either dead or you're not. Okay, there's no in-between here. And, that, and that's what it says. They pay upon death. Um, and it doesn't matter. They have what they call contestable clauses. Those contestable clauses are only valid for a maximum of two years. It has to be something that you kind of knew about in advance that you misled the company about. Once it's passed the contestable clause, even if you lied and you got the contract, they're still going to pay it. And that's number one. Number two, this whole thing that's going on with all these people around us and, and the way they're acting, I, I really view it as, as improving the population. I mean, we're about to find out who all the good people are, right? Because we're going to be losing all of the dumb, dumb shits that are, they're, you know, doing what they're doing. It's just like a guy who refuses to wear a helmet when he's riding a motorcycle. <laughs> okay. There's another one. We don't have to worry about that guy anymore. You know, I mean, it just, it, it's just silly. It's just silly. Also, if you remember the Reese Commission, do you remember that there was a fellow, and I can't remember his name, his, uh, Griffin did an interview with this guy before, just before he died. He was in the banks when the 29 crash came down. <clears throat> he was an executive with, I think, um, uh, he's, he one of the big banks. He was either Morgan or, or, Jay, or Chase. And he told the whole story. And he told the whole about when they – well, he was also involved in the Reese Commission. So he told the story from the very beginning when he was a young man starting out in his career up there in the banks and the executive offices. And he, when he got down to the Reese Commission, they started investigating the tax-exempt foundations. And this is, this is about the time when that comment about the Ford, the Ford Foundation putting in the congressional records that the, all the uh, tax-exempt trusts take their um, instructions from the White House. Yep. The attorney, the liberal attorney lady that worked in the Reese Commissions that went up there had the same thing that happened uh, to Bernadine Smith when, when her associate got into the access of the uh, local records of the, of the counties and found out that they were planning on collapsing local government. She found, they, they turned over everything to her. She got to read all of their minutes and everything. She found out what their plans absolutely were. It literally ruined her life. She withdrew from society because she could not deal with what she found out. Yeah. And she found out that this was a whole series of planned wars and exterminations. Um, so we're in the middle of it, and we're about to lose all those idiots. I think we may be past the middle of it a little bit. 
Well, it doesn't doesn't matter. I'm just saying, you know, the the ones that are going along, getting the second jab and the third jab, and you know, and I've been always afraid of a bioweapon for a long, long time. I'm thinking they're even doing that in the food, you know. Oh, they have been for a long time. Where's the highest death rate in the world from the vaccine? I I don't know because I don't really. Anybody know? Have you picked that up yet? American. Nope. Yep, it's Israel. Yep, Israel. They're killing off all the other Jews. <laughs> I got to go. Thanks for taking the call. See you, See you John. Later. And it's getting to be Mandate City over there where you can't even go in the grocery store without having that little passport. And I think the death rate was up in the 40-something percentiles. You know, I mean, if you go to the Wailing Wall over there in Jerusalem where the Orthodox are doing, you know, they're doing their bobbing and weaving in their little outfits and sticking their prayers in the cracks of the wall and the Zionists, the Sabbatean Zionists, stand off and throw bags of human feces at them. The Zionists throw bags of fecal matter at them. Okay. So we got some kind of a conversation going on in the background. Hell, I wish I could hear better. It's always nice to ride somebody else's conversation. Um, okay, last part of the show here. Um, anybody got something? We've covered a lot of ground today. Anybody, uh, did, we, did we spurn anything that you just have to step forward with? Yes, you're right here. Get myself a penny short. I washed my hair. I didn't take showers. Where is that coming from? Somebody hit the. Well, we're taking showers and washing our hair and stuff. Um, let's see what else is going on, folks. Hey, Roger. This is Gary. Gary, thank you for stepping forward. How's Montana today? Sunshiny and a little warmer. Good. Hey, uh, I wanted to cover something underneath the 14th Amendment. Okay. And that is, uh, under the 14th Amendment, the Supreme Court has not only ruled that vaccinations can be made compulsory, but also that sterilization can be made mandated by the state. Well, they can do anything they want. You're a piece of their property. You, if you got you got a bunch of cows out there on your spread in Montana, let's just say that hypothetically, Gary. I know that's not right. You want to go vaccinate them or geld them or breed them or whatever the hell you want to do, you can do it, can't you? Oh, I agree. I'm just letting people know that it's not only vaccinations, but the vaccination by their rules can make you sterile. Well, once again, they've got a property right in you. And you you can tell that by, if you go back and just think this through a little bit, the bankruptcy. Before the bankruptcy, we used hard money, gold and gold certificates, to buy things. Because the people back then were free, and they weren't encumbered by somebody having property rights on them. So they could buy things and pay the debt and own things. But after the bankruptcy, they had to use this debt paper because now they're property. And somebody's got a property right in them, and they can't buy and own other property because somebody's got their property rights already. Therefore, they can't pay the debt and own things. They can only discharge the debt and have possession of things. 
There it is right there. The change the in the monetary lead. system and why. That's the, that's, there's evidence of what we do. Just right there on its surface, on its face, prima facie evidence of what happened and what's going on. So, anyway, yeah, Gary, sorry to interrupt you so emphatically, but I get uh, I get emotional about this stuff. I'm serious about so, it. Yeah, and the better I understand it, the, the simpler it gets. Is that Chris? Well, it is, but I didn't know I could get in via the telephone. I thought I was just listening in, and I guess while I was uh, dozed off a little bit, I must have unmuted, and you were hearing some background oh, okay. my location without oh, even being aware of it. Okay. Well, no problem. We just try and smoke it out when we can. Well, I'm on a different unit this morning because I had another fail, fail phone failure. So uh, uh, it was kind of a curious incident, but uh, it is in the shop again. So I had to go to unit number two. Uh-huh. Well, welcome back. Glad you navigated it to be with us. So it's my may not be just equality, but it's the best I can do it in That's circumstances. Okay. Uh be nice if we had a Gypsy link on the bottom or an instruction somewhere on the home page. Uh, I've checked that out a couple of times, and uh, it's not as easy. And if you don't remember the exact terminology, getting to the Gypsy platform is not a simple solution. Well, if I had an email address for you that I knew you looked at, I would have sent you the two-page document, you know, how to escape the matrix and that stuff. And there's a hot link at the bottom of that document. But you're right. These are some of the failings uh, that I think will be corrected with the new website, Chris. Cool, cool, coolio. Yeah, I'm kind of excited about it, actually. Because the guy that has stepped forward to do this, this is very rewarding for me. The guy has said, You've taught me so much in three years that I want to give back. So he's doing it. Thank That's you. That's absolutely marvelous. And, you know, we all have different gifts and different abilities, and they all have value. It's just that none of them are all monetary. Yeah, well, I was just appreciative of, the, of his, uh, of his uh, reasons and him following through on it, you know. So there you go. Um, let's see, Chris. Anything happen over the weekend to you that's notable? Well, this uh, border invasion, and they've got an operation in Texas and Arizona. I think that they're having the states themselves are having to put up their own defense system since Biden gang has thrown the borders wide open, creating a clear and present imminent danger to America's public safety and national security. By design, that makes him a treasonous bastard. Well, you know, that they, I think there's 100, was it 117,000, the number that I saw of children, that they're having, they, they've swamped the facilities on the southern border, totally swamped them. And they're having to open up a military base in Virginia or Maryland and ship up 117,000 children? Or Chaffee. <laughs> yeah, that, well, this is, this is absolutely insane. To, see, this is Clarendon Flippin in practice. 
uh, implode the system. Pressure from above, pressure from below, without and within. Do everything you can to implode the system. Well, and what we're seeing is the actuation of silent weapons to quiet for the wars, the weaponization of all aspects of government, yeah. the military, law enforcement, the justice system. We have an attack on the rule of law. There is no rule of law in America. It is being subverted by these black robe terrorists sitting on the Supreme Court refusing to do anything yeah, when they, they have a duty to do something. They, they threw out the last Trump election case today. I saw the headline. Um, they are in a full port, court press on every vector. Okay, when they got after January 20th and they got that senile old bastard up there and in office, they have been on a full court press. Every it's not him, but the people behind him for sure. Oh. and her gang and Hitler is in the woods somewhere. Well, they're already floating. You know, they're saying be ready for Cam for President Harris real quick. He's he's deteriorating. He's uh, deteriorating at a rapid rate. I saw a headline a minute ago. Grinnell says that, uh, you know, Rick Grinnell, uh, this guy, the Republican uh, guy that uh, has some, well, he's a pretty sharp guy. Uh, he said that uh, Susan Rice is running this everything behind the scenes. Uh, we were having a conversation earlier, I think before the show, about the absence of Obama in the last month. You hadn't seen him make any announcements, any proclamations, him and his his uh, linebacker wife uh, get up and say anything. They're totally – and usually when somebody's in the background like that, there's a reason with these folks. Well, Obama was never the brains of the operation. It was Valerie Jenrette and the Newman girl and uh, her husband and stuff. These were the real movers and shakers along with Brennan and Clapper and these uh, terrorist uh, traitors. Uh, this is who was really running the projects, and they were never really upfront about it because uh, Valerie Jeanette was never elected. She was brought into the back door through the appointment as a special counsel or uh, advisor to Obama in the White House, and she was the black hand of government, Colonel Edwin Mandel House, uh, with her position. Well, we know that's their M.O. for sure. So, uh, I don't know, 10, 10 minutes or so left. Anybody got anything to bring forward? Hey, Daryl. Um, you have anything to say about uh, the Aaron Burr and uh, what was his name? Uh, Luther Martin Foundation? I don't know. Daryl may be distracted. The the yeah. Run that up past us, Brent. The Luther Martin, uh, not Martin Luther, but Luther Martin. Right. He was the uh, secretary. What was he? The attorney general of Maryland for like uh, 30 years. And he was in the constitutional conventions and all that. And, um, yeah. And Can you the, hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what what Brent's talking about is uh, the two-hour show Michael and I did yesterday on uh, Freedom Slips about Luther Martin and uh, why he, he's important and relevant, much like the forgotten history of uh, George Wallace. So, um, thank. Let me let me ask Brent. So, 
I, I was actually off. I wasn't hearing what was going on here for the last 25 minutes. I just, I just sold a triple tree to some guy in Canada. So, um, <laughs> what did you, did you enjoy the, did you enjoy the show yesterday, Brent? Was that oh, it? Oh Yes, I did. Yeah. I was yeah. finally able to find it and everything. I have it locked into my machine and phone and, uh, I'm going to be a regular, regular listener. Well, Martin, well, thank you for that. Uh, I'm sure Mike, I'll share that with Michael. I'm sure he'll appreciate it. Martin Luther is uh, one of the uh, unsung, unsung great uh, heroes and founders, if you will, of, of the anti-federalists. And uh, he was the original victim of the, uh, of uh, doxing or, uh, cancel culture uh he was written out of basically written out of all perceptible history so the for over 100 years uh so that people would have every everybody thought that when the constitution written that everybody was just tickled rosy and pink about it and what a great thing well that wasn't the case (laughs) and luther martin points out all the reasons why along with patrick henry and uh, John Francis and Yates and a bunch of these other guys that nobody knows anything about. Uh, uh, they were they were banned. They were uh, banned in the media. Uh, they had their the mailings when when the anti-federalist pamphlets and mailings were put out. They came up missing and it would end up in the ditch. <laughs> Sound familiar? Uh, were they shredded? So. Uh, yeah, they might have been. They might have been turned into compost. Um, yeah, he was uh, Luther Martin was uh, the longest sitting attorney general of any state up to this, still up to this time. That was thirty years. Uh, he's buried in New York in an unmarked grave, and it was paved over by a parking lot. Um, he, uh, as the attorney general of New York, or I mean Maryland, he oversaw five thousand cases. At the Constitutional Convention, he was heckled, and he called slavery a crime against heaven and was most vociferous and adamant uh, on his position of anti-slavery. He, uh, he initiated a proposal that there be a $10 tax on all slaves. And, you know, much to the outrage of many people say, well, that's outrageous and see, but his, his methodology was I'll put a $10 tax on them and make it, uh, 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 expensive, so expensive that it will, uh, tax slavery into oblivion. He wanted to tax it into oblivion. Um, uh, as a Maryland delegate of 1787, he became concerned with the rules of the conventions. They were secrecy. Everybody who attended had to take a 50-year oath of silence. This is Chatham House. This is British Chatham House rules secrecy. Uh, so, uh, Alex, uh, so later when he went back to Maryland and told, told the people about it, he, uh, he, he told them everything that he knew about what was going on in Philadelphia, and then he was uh, attacked for breaking his oath. And he says, well, you goofballs. Uh, I was two days late, and I didn't take the oath, so what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, 
Alexander Hamilton, now he broke his oath many times uh, in communications, but he was talking to his his backroom uh, British uh, bankers. Um, uh, it just it just yeah. goes on and on about uh, yeah, I, Mr. Uh, Mr. Luther. So I, I, I caught I'll, I'll stop there. I, I caught the show too, but Brent originally asked about the uh, Hamilton Burr thing. The Hamilton birthing, birthing. Hamilton and Burr, uh, being um, brought up originally by Brent here. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's there's a new book coming out. It'll be available in October. We have the in, sort of had the inside track on it. It's written by uh, it's written by a Jew historian and. Uh, there, I think, uh, from what we can gather, from what the contained in the book, these people are coming out. They're proud of Alex, Mr. Alex, and uh, uh, this Jewish historian is going to, I think, is going to finally pop the bubble and reveal why they're so proud of him. And the Freemasons, they love him. Uh, Jews and Freemasons love Alex. So, um uh, yeah, that's that's coming out in October. I hope we all make it that far. Um, there was a guy, uh, somebody who's a really of significance and importance and very interesting was an anti-federalist named John Francis Mercer. And while he was at the uh, Constitutional Convention, he made a list of, of the 13 delegates who were there who were advocating for monarchy. Wouldn't this be interesting? I'm going to get their names. I'll share them with you sometime. Um. So, uh, there's 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 a lot there's a lot to be found in what they've been hiding from you, and the reasons why they were hiding it. <laughs> and that would be the anti-federalists. Um, yeah. Listen, on follow up to what John was saying in that insurance thing, Jack uh, dug up an article here that says COVID nineteen vaccine refusers may face different life insurance policies. I haven't read the article. That's the headline. So there is some differentiation somewhere. Or there's fixing to be. So do you think, well, I, I don't know much more than just what I told you. Do you think they got uh, plans for more lethal strains? Is this thing... Um, Oh, what's the word they use? Intenuates or increases in some of these different aspects? Are they going to bring a second or third wave in that's a lot more lethal? Well, according to Rogers, it's uh, incubating in their guts right now after the vaccine. Incubating, waiting to be pulled out. Yeah, if it, like, yes. So if they're going to use If the it's ones, incubating... They're going to use the ones that have been vaccinated to incubate another strain that's going to be more deadly. Is that what the guy's saying, Samuel? Well, like I said, I got I to really listen to that because it's, it was hard to catch it all in one pass. Yeah, yeah I think it sounded to me. Well, it's screwed up in, in the individual, in their gut, and somehow it's going to be released later oh boy what fun well just try and get your immune system eat healthy all that stuff uh um i found out over the weekend i've got an 80 by 100 by 20 foot 
really nice greenhouse that the guy's going to totally do hydrophonically, Daryl. So uh, be able to grow our own hydrophonic stuff out there. Well, it sounds nice. That's great. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's well, 20, 30 feet from Chris my door. I walk out the door and walk right into the greenhouse. It's great. Since uh, since Chris isn't here, I'll do a little I'll do a little Chris Chris wording here. If you if you take the inoculation, you will be uh, you will be the uh, incubus. <laughs> inoculation will you become the uh, incubus. How about for, if you take uh, the the inoculation, you'll be you'll be in the indoctrination. Well. Uh, you know, it, it, incubus is a incubus is a nice, interesting word, and might, might be a good word for people to look up. Incubus. Uh, so, so you know, if you if you're inoculated, you become an incubator. Yeah, you become true. an incubator. Yep. Well, yeah, you guys so. can't hear the whistlers going on in the background, and we're in the last little few seconds, and uh, so I want to thank everybody for the contribution. Uh, good topics covered today in some depth, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow to do the same. Maybe we'll have some folks with questions about how to get free and all that stuff. We tend to ignore that if we don't have new people coming in asking questions about it. Um, but, uh, I sure do appreciate all of you taking I'll, the time I'll out there. to be with us today <laughs> and hope you got something out of it. What was the comment right there? Oh, I, uh, just got on here late as a new caller, uh, wanting information about what you're just talking about. So I will call back. Tomorrow. All right. Well, hold on just a second. We'll give you a little bit more, but we got to get off the server here in just a few seconds. And I'm sorry that you made it in late. Uh, let's see here. We're well, I'm just lay. not familiar with this 